doing it. It's finally doing it. By the way, I saw someone uh, in the chat. I was on a roll, so I forgot to mention it at the time, but it just occurred to me. Uh, I saw somebody was saying that, like, the quality of these streams is very poor audiovisually, and that that's uh, Chris's fault. Uh, I would like to say definitively, and for all of time, that Chris has nothing to do with this fucking production. This is a one-man show when I'm out here. And I hope you will notice that the audio and visual presentation are much, much better when we're in the office with him. This is my show, Wade. This is my deal here. And so that means if, it's, if it looks like shit, that's part of my ramshackle approach to everything I'm doing here. I mean, if I was serious about like trying to communicate an idea to people... I would uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just got text to distract me. I'm on my damn phone here. But yeah, I, I, I if I was being serious about communicating ideas to people, I would write them down or something. I'd give them some, some thought instead of just say them off the top of my head. And I would also, if I was going to, you know, talk to you, I would, like, prepare it ahead of time and get a studio or something where it looks nice and is presentable. And, like, some degree of, uh, you know, thought has been put into it. I think, like, this whole deal with the bad audio and, the, and me talking to my phone, I think it, it is part of, like, honesty, honestly. It is a part of me presenting, like, an entire picture of what I'm doing out here so that you don't get the wrong idea, you know? Although I do hope to write in the future, I have plans to do so. I'm in the early stages of doing planning for writing something down, something a little more uh, fully fleshed out. So, and that will be something that I'll be very nervous to put out there because one of the benefits of doing this is that you 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 risk that you don't risk that like that fear of dissection that comes when you have something written down. I know that that has in the past made me hesitant about writing uh, but I feel now like I'm much more confident in what, what I'm saying than I ever have been so as a result I feel I can put it down and people will get mad hopefully and people will be disagreeing but and people will say I'm an idiot and wrong hopefully if they don't then I fucked up but I will be confident that I at least got across what I was trying to Man, did anybody see Trump today? He just went on TV for five minutes to say, we're going to get a vaccine, folks. It's coming. The vaccine's coming. We're going to get it. And we'll wonderfully love it. We love the vaccine. It's the best. It's the greatest. Everyone's going to be cured. And our elderly, we love the elderly. We love our elderly. They're going to get it first because we care about them. And we want to give them the best of the golden years, the years, the gold. They love them. So, yeah, whatever. I don't know. April? He's, maybe, we'll see. I mean, nothing about the process until now has inspired any confidence in any element of the entire uh, response. And not just Trump specifically, but the entire Western world, the entire Atlantic sphere. Comprehensive fuck around. Everybody, regardless of what institutions they had, what like remnant shreds of social democracy they had, almost all of them ate shit. 
Everything that everything that was that was built by us in the aftermath of World War II, our like core is shitting the fucking bed. So I don't know why the hell I should expect anything different from the fucking uh, single-minded, profit-seeking idiots of the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, how are we going to distribute the vaccine? What, you, honestly, they should give it to fucking McDonald's. Like, put it in the McPlant burgers. I tweeted that the other day, but it's not a joke. Like, there's a fucking McDonald's within a 20-minute drive of every American in this fucking country. Have them give us the fucking vaccine. They have an ability to distribute all that fucking merchandise and Happy Meals and, and uh, smiling hamburger toys and fucking uh, uh, rigged uh, Monopoly game pieces. They can fucking send a goddamn vaccine out. The speedy method, as the McDonald brothers coined it. By the way, uh, that reminds me, The Master with Michael Keaton is a low-key really good movie. Uh, and uh, his performance is really fun in it. But what really is interesting and a reason to watch it is the way that it very clearly shows the, the way that capitalism accelerates outside of any other considerations. Like, that nothing that, like, I've seen very few movies that are better at exemplifying the Marxist, uh, the Marx quote uh, from the manifesto that describes capitalism's destabilizing uh, uh, relationship to settled social orders. Everything that is solid melts into air. And you watch that movie and that's what you get. Because the McDonald brothers did this, they had this like innovation that was a quantum leap in, in uh, efficiency in terms of food service. This is gonna like, you know, that's, that changes the, the, the um, entire equation of the profit, uh, the, the potential profit in uh, food service. But they did that in their small town New England way, you know, like a couple of flinty Yankee Republicans coming up with an idea. But they were doing that at a time when uh, capitalism was accelerating uh, the post-war era where, where, uh, where, where all that capital was looking for investment. And we were, we were building out a new infrastructure of like consumer demand. And uh, their, their commitment to things like, we're, not, we're only going to use real ice cream and, you know, well, uh, we're going to uh, you know, we're going to keep up a, 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 a quality control over certain elements of this thing. We're going to maintain certain, like, non-market-based values. And they did well with their little thing, but as soon as Ray Kroc showed up, a guy who, because he was a failure, basically, because he'd been chasing success his entire life, had been ground into this, like, purely miserable instrument of regret and resentment he came along and he just wanted to fill that hole as fast as he could because he was an old guy when it happens he, he, he'd been like he was a he was in his 50s and he had never been a success even though he tried his goddamn ass off to be one and so he wanted to fill that hole the only way he could you know and of course this is just the uh this is a dramatic, you know, personalized version of, like, the greater material you know, necessity that's going to make that happen one way or another. Like, McDonald's gets bought and gets turned into McDonald's no matter what. But 
the fact that it was Ray Kroc who did it comes down to, you know, who Ray Kroc was. But someone was going to do it. And then his wife gave all that money to NPR. Perfect. He was a funny dude, though, in other ways. Uh, one thing they don't have in the movie, because it stops, like, uh, after he rests the name away from the McDonald brothers, spoiler alert, uh, is that he owned the uh, San Diego Padres in the 70s and 80s. And at one time, he was watching a game in the owner's box, and they were get, getting their asses kicked so bad that he went on the PA system in the stadium and apologized to the fans for how bad they were doing. <clears throat> Padres. He lived in San Diego. He would also go to McDonald's, like, just on inspection tours and start sweeping up and yell at people for not doing enough uh, not doing enough cleaning. <sighs> but uh, someone got mad at us today, Chapos, for, for again, for not taking the coup seriously. I'm sorry, but if you saw you saw Trump today, I don't think you can seriously say anything about that anymore. He looked gassed, and he didn't say anything about this election that he had that he thinks was stolen from him, and that he says he's fighting. And you know, I was very unfair with what Cuomo said. He said I was a COVID cuckoo. It made me sad. It's a COVID cuckoo. It's a COVID cuckoo, folks, and we love it. He said the next administration. Oh, right, I forgot. He's cooked. He's done. He's finished. You know, like the, 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 he only really had four years in him, honestly, I think one way or the other, because he didn't like any moment of it, and, he, and, the, and what he had to do to enjoy any of it was so strenuous and, and required such a escalation of tension that... Uh, you know, his heart couldn't take that much of it. Biden impression. Ah, come on, man. Ah, I don't know. You know, uh, yeah, Felix is the guy who does Biden. He has Biden uh, down. Look, 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 fat. Look. God, what a man. What a king. He did that shit, and then he said that. He said, go vote for Trump to somebody. He said, go vote to, uh, he goes, go suck an egg to basically anybody who asked him to have any position that was, uh, you know, more, that didn't have the, like, the 1996 DLC stamp of approval on it. And he would say, fuck off. Suck my dog. Just threatened to punch some guy who uh, talked to him about guns in, in Michigan. Just didn't matter. Just didn't matter. And what that tells me more than anything is that, you know, there's this spectacle of politics happening, and then there's the actual thing of people voting. And I think that, I mean, I've been saying that there's not, I don't think that there's anything like a one-to-one, -one, like, this is not in any way a reflection. This is a distortion so severe that it is genuinely uh, uh, maddening in the sense that it takes your mind away from 
a consensus reality between people in a lived environment as opposed to within the individual frictionless silo of your cyber life, which is what allows you to imagine that because you never come into contact with any real thing. You can just argue all day, and that's why you're there anyway. You can never have like a, a presumption defeated by the Internet. You can never have your, your automatic response to something that is counterproductive corrected. That's what real life is for. So this thing is just completely off the rails. And so I'm not sure that any of the stuff that we ever thought mattered really did. I think we're talking about like tectonic relationships between like big demographic slabs of people. And the reason I say that the future of the Republican Party, if this continues like, you know, in its trajectory, like Trump boosted, this was happening since 2000, but it really got accelerated by Trump being the, showing up and being the nominee and winning. And, and shaping the culture in response to Obama. Like, Obama was, like, the thesis, basically, of, like, what the party system would be in the 21st century now that we were reforming society's economy again. Because if we talk about the 1970s as the moment when the relationship between the working class and the Democratic Party severed, the, uh, the crash was the severance of, fuck, the Democratic Party from humanity. Like the full and complete abnegation of responsibility to citizenry. And I know that that's all, you know, flummery and culture, but it's like stuff that the people in these positions actually believe exists. It was the 70s. It started in the 60s, but the, the re-correction of the economy, the breaking of the back of inflation didn't happen until the 70s. What are you talking about? That's, in, that's just incorrect. I mean, don't try to fucking correct me with incorrect information. I'm already out here far enough on a fucking limb. People throwing bones under my feet. Good Lord. Uh, it was Carter, man. Carter did it. Like, it was all... Obviously, it was a crescendo, and it, it, it involved actions by every administration leading up to it, but the one who had the decision to make was Carter. And the one who had the decision to make in a similar environment was Obama. And because there was no... Uh, working class to be at the table to just speak for the people at all, they did a further re bipartisan reaffirmation uh, of the economy and, and a, a further removing from the political of any economic question again, just like they did in the 70s the fucking bailout, the bipartisan bailout, which Republicans pretended to be against, which helped create the shadow tea party, this like fake opposition to the bailouts which had no extension into any real depths of the party leadership or honestly its voters if they understood the questions beyond just as, as shibboleths. And then they got turned into culture war. Like the Tea Party war cry was Rick Santelli on CNBC saying that they didn't want to pay for losers to get bailed out of their fucking... Uh, uh, um, bailed out losers from their fucking uh, mortgages. Now, there's a world where that happens no matter what, right? Like, where as a response to this, like, action by the government of letting people stay in their homes and, and voiding their debt and, like, making, making the haircut come from finance rather than the fucking citizenry, uh, then you would have had, like, this fake, rea fake uh, populist response to it. This, like, Jeffersonian, Jacksonian cloaked, 
uh, horseshit. Like that, there's a reason they talked. They called themselves the Tea Party. Like this, this is a violation of American liberty. And the thing is, yeah, it is because American liberty exists to prevent this kind of thing from happening. It's like an ideological and political structure meant to harness like the citizenry and any understanding of the concept and prevent them from getting rid of the thing around their fucking neck. And there are enough people who have like bought into the you know last 200 years of like phony populism that's at the heart of that Jeffersonian project. And so they would buy into it. And there you would have had a real meaningful conflict. And I guarantee you that this election, if that had happened, would not be about Antifa or any of that bullshit. We'd be talking about industrial policy. Maybe. But of course, like I said, this is a world where Obama doesn't do that, but that was not the world we lived in because the working class wasn't at the table. Obama was never going to do that. Couldn't have happened. He was evil for doing it, but someone was going to do it because the forces arrayed could have no other outcome. But I'm saying if we lived in a world where that had a different outcome for some reason, otherwise we have the same, and I know this is why these are, you know, tedious because you have to do so many what-ifs that you eventually, the comparison doesn't hold. I'm just saying that, uh, that what we ended up getting instead was this fake populist uprising against the, the death of American liberty, but then they didn't actually bail out anybody from their fucking mortgages. The thing that got the Tea Party going, bailing out losers, didn't end up even happening. It got turned, it got evidenced immediately into a culture war. The thing that Romney talked about, the makers and the takers. Because taxes became the only thing that the government could do about anything. What about the Keynesian stimulus? I mean, it was the bare minimum necessary to to put a floor on the American economy, which had to happen. Like, a demand floor had to be imposed for the good of the market. And that was what they did, but on the stingiest possible terms. And that was because Obama bid low on purpose. Because they thought, well, fucking Olympia Snow has this aversion to anything over a trillion dollars. There's no reason or rationality behind that. That is pure, just pig-headed political idiocy. They could have bid at four, and then what's she going to say? Nothing over two. Like, it's just arbitrary relative to the bid, and the bid was low on purpose. And it was almost all found in the form of tax cuts and rebates. Now, I don't think that this response, the, uh, well, the thing is, with the Senate the way it is, it's honestly hard to say. We really could end up with something as bad uh, as the uh, uh, 09 stimulus. Because that was, t because... I think the the scale of the problem is in this case uh, deeper, but and and but also the answer is easier. Like you really could solve a lot of this just by helicopter dumping money on people. Like it could have a hugely positive effect. And we know that money is free at this point. Like everybody knows it. And of course, the Republicans are going to talk about the deficit more now than they did under Trump, which was not never at all because that's their ideological like you know puppet to distract from the, the fact that what they really want to do at any moment is prevent spending from being directed downward.
so, like I said, I'm not predict predicting anything anymore, but it's not going to be great because the working, there's nobody at that table but lizards, man. Absolute demons. People who have shed every human skin they've ever had and replaced it with a diamond hard, scaly plate. stared at the chat for a while, I don't think. I got new glasses. I'm just, I'm still getting used to them. I don't know. They, they, I'm still not used to the look, so I kind of like see myself and I think, whoa, what? Oh, well, thank you. But the thing is, like, you cannot overestimate how demonic this is going to be. A friend of mine uh, has been asked by the state of Pennsylvania to give them back uh, $12,000 in unemployment that they say he fraudulently claimed uh, when in fact he had literally like misfilled out a form that he then fixed because apparently there's a company that like 40 states paid millions of dollars to to carry out their emergency uh, uh, unemployment system because of course the state the state mechanisms are intentionally uh, deprived of funds so that they are rickety and impossible of ever springing into action so that gaining uh, relief is difficult. You want to make as many hoops as possible for people to jump through so that you make them have to have skin in the game. All that disgusting like Skinner, uh, like Skinner mindset that pervades among the liberal uh, bureaucratic uh, you know, policy set. And now the state, because there's no there has been no second stimulus. There has not been a big federal relief of state budgets because states can't borrow the way that the federal government can. So you're going to see massive, massive budget cuts because basically the complete skeletization of the whole state apparatus at a time of national pandemic emergency. So they're trying to claw money back, and apparently they're doing it just they're sending checks to millions of people, and a lot of it is on false, false, uh, false claims in the first place. And the horror of it is, is that I honestly think they don't even care if they have specious reasoning or not. They think a lot of people are going to get that, freak out, and then just give them back some money. And if they get any X number of them to do that, well, that's, that's that much more money you can put on the ledger. And then they probably end up charging them more money than they're getting back to do the fucking uh, job. Monstrous. And it must be stated, this is a government with, that's a state with a democratic governor. This is, this is just the way it is now. Like, pain for everybody, and then you get to choose whose pain you get to feel good about when you get in the voting booth, and then watch politics as the sport that it is. You get to root for a team of people to inflict pain on another team of people. The pain is taken for granted. And the real horror is, even the uh, people getting it are going to get it either way. Everyone's getting it. It's really just a matter of who you, in the observation of their pain, get to feel superior to, get to feel luckier than. 
That's it. That's politics. That's the politics at the end of uh, history. And that's why I think the parties are going to end up being college and no college. Not going there, but embracing the set of values. Because the whole thing is, it's symmetrical sadisms. Like, there's a sadism at the heart of, like, the, the liberal project. I'm sorry. There is a sadism at the heart, even if you can say it's for better reasons and it's more justified, uh, uh, for, for like, the, the, the punitiveness of, of liberalism, as it's understood by the people who vote for political parties, who either accept or reject its idea. And so... The future of politics is choosing who you want to see punished. Who you want to feel good about being punished, anyway. And the and the, like, uh, it's quite, it's quite sobering to think about because there's very little leeway for uh, for humanity there. Like everyone's worst instincts are the only ones being fed. Because the parties will basically become incapable of addressing class issues. And for anybody who is actually making this idiot trek towards the Republican Party just so that they can feel good about an election. Like, the people who are, like, going, well, the Democrats are too woke. Uh, working class people are voting Republican now. That's where working class aspirations can be found. No. What's happening is you are totally invested in the spectacle of politics. It is sports for you. The pain of your enemy is your supper. But now, thanks to your, your, in your mind, defeat in the civil war within the Democratic side, you now have to find a new place where you can feel good about somebody else's pain. And so you can go root for the Republicans. And that means if they win and the Democrats lose, you get to feel better. Whereas if you're on the Democrat side and you've been beaten for, like, internal, you know, for your sense of identification, like, you can't even identify as a Democrat anymore because or as a liberal or a leftist, whatever fucking word you're using to cover this identity, you can't imagine, you can't call yourself that anymore because the people, the other people who do have ruined it. So then you can't just watch the spectacle and not have an, inve an investment because then it would be robbed of its, of its ability to keep you enthralled and you'd have to fucking do something else. And you don't want to do anything else. So what do you do? You switch teams. Switch teams. Can't beat them, join them. And then you get to feel good again. You get to watch the Democrats get owned and feel good about it. Like you used to do it for Republicans or internally. What, like for a while you could do it with Democrats. But after, let's, essentially you spent four years watching the Trump people have too much fun. And now you want some fun. If none of it matters, and that's true, then you might as well have some fun. And I would say, well... Okay, but even better to not get fun there at all, because it's a sick place to get fun. What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Literally do anything else with your time. So, if anybody is, yeah, so for me, the answer to all these seemingly intractable questions will always boil down to... If not, log off, decenter. Because it's a lot easier to see the forest for the trees. How many people who uh, are uh, love screenshotting naive leftists who stan AOC and go, look at you idiots. 
Look at you idiots falling for this. How many of them smugly retweeted Marco Rubio saying, the Republican Party is going to be the working class party. We have to change our message. Marco Rubio? Okay, yeah. You have to basically just drill a hole in your head and forget everything you learned about your process of being disillusioned by the Democratic Party so that you can go on to get disillusioned by the Republican Party. It's like the end of fucking Dark Tower. He gets at the end of the thing, and he opens the door, and he's back to where he started. Because he has to keep doing it. So you go through this process of coming into identification with the, the Democratic project or the left project, the liberal project, wherever you are on this spectrum. And then being driven over time through this process of disillusionment with it as a vessel for your ambitions, which are material but also identity-based, and then you get kicked out of the process, and instead of recognizing, oh, this was, this was what happens when you do that to a political party in the United States of America, you go, this was the problem with this specific party within the United States of America, at which point you're back at the beginning chasing the man in black across the fucking desert. And you can't blame someone for this necessarily you can only blame them in a broad sense you know just more in pity than anything that they can't recognize the cycle they're in and break out of it so that's sad but you can't blame them because within that within their inability to break out of it they have not yet been disillusioned by the republican party it could be a place where they could get fun and enjoyment and a sense of political uh, identity and own the libs again so let's find out Somebody asked about the ideological, like, motivation or structure of, of, like, the whole college thing, like the whole suite of ideas you get. It's very not, it's not really about, like, specific shit, like cultural, critical theory, critical race theory, or white privilege, any specific strain of academic jar jargon. That's just, like, it's expression, uh, uh, you know, uh, within, like, a social matrix, like, people talking about, like, these ideas float around, the important ones float around, and then they get expressed in, like, sub-concepts, which, by the way, mostly start in and around college uh, issues. But it's more about a broad suite of, of, uh, of values, like liberal Western values in the broad sense. But then, like, there's an intensity of it depending on, like, where you are within it, you know? Like, you've got the broad idea, like Western democracy broadly understood, shared by everybody in all departments, and every class you're going to take, you're going to get. But then you've got, over time, you know, and because of the cultural turn and everything, you've got now all these other uh, places where people talk about other things, and they have more specific takes, and they take the logic of the liberalism that's broadly accrued throughout college experience and, and lived, and then they sh bring it further down into a, a, a point of more specific uh, reference to... Uh, to like a theory, an issue, like they're doing academia. You wouldn't call it science, but it's science-esque. And they're doing it at everything. And in some places within that, like the humanities, you're gonna develop like a more consistent sub-genre of 
the greater liberal uh, ideology. And then people will gravitate towards or against that. But they encounter it one way, broadly or, uh, or specifically, depending on their specific academic career and who they encounter. And then they get come out the other end and they accept some percentage of that. The very base one being, even if you don't believe any of this shit about a liberal social order, you better if you want to make a fucking buck in your entire life. They know that much, and that is shared by basically everyone who goes. Because they wouldn't have gone, especially at this point in time, really for any other reason. At base. Doing this stuff, listening, believing these things, will get you a job. And not just any job, a job that is in some way personally rewarding, that is not drudgery, that is not mere alienation. That's, that's the base thing everyone comes up with. But built on that is depends on your experience both before you went into college, which is going to choose where you get your first classes and which ones you start with, and then where you, experiences you have in college and your personality and all those things. And that shoots you out the other end and you end up a political subject. You either vote or you don't vote to prove that you don't that you think they're phony. And if you vote, you're probably going to vote for one of the two parties. More often than anything else, you're going to vote for one of the two parties. And it's going to come down to what percentage of that suite of stuff you accepted or rejected. The degree to which, as is always the case. People make fun of me for saying that all the time, but it's the only way to really talk about these kind of concepts. Because the, understanding them as binaries makes it almost impossible to conceive in your head of what the, how the structures work, because they're, they're three-dimensional. It's almost as though we are shaped by our material conditions. Michael Scott Gift, thank you. And that because people who make culture tend to be people who went through the pro college process and specifically went through the humanities version of the college process, they will most likely make culture for, from that point of view. And because there's enough, uh, like, there's enough generational wealth left at the end of, like, the rainbow with, you know, the, the, last, the last bit of equity from the boomers and, and, and some of Gen... Gen X, but not that much, certainly no millennials, were able to cling to, if not like an actual working class, an actual like, um, like job job, the idea in their head that they could get one. Yes, I'm doing this, but I'm really this. Yes, I'm doing this, but maybe this. Yes, this is my day job. Like this, I have a greater aspiration, and that greater aspiration is inculcated by this deal that college offers you and that you accept and that you have to pursue because you can't just say sunk cost because the sunk cost is six figures in fucking debt. It's literally impossible to change direction at this point. And so that provides like the social uh, motivation to maintain like these, these values these public professional values and like to participate in this culture. But this is the last generation is going to have that experience, that broad middle class experience of college. It's because of the combination of it becoming prohibitively expensive that 
some point, people are going to stop going. It might already be started now with fucking Corona. Because the rewards are less and less uh, uh, tangible. They're less and less even conceivable. And even if it doesn't, the experience of being disillusioned by college is going to become a hell of a lot more, uh, uh, completely disillusioned by college, is going to become a hell of a lot more prevalent than the one of this, like, let down by the college experience in its, in its offer of stable employment and a non-totally uh, alienating labor. But the prospect of said, from some grind hustle, some personal commitment to, you know, a professional career path, or the arts and media, or social media... And that means that the electoral future of the Democratic Party is very grim. When you combine the majoritarian built-in structure of the Republican system that we have, the constitutional order, which already rewards people who are going to be uh, more likely either to just be rich enough to vote their fucking economic interests, which are not the people I'm talking about. They have an entirely different context. The ones who make it are a whole different skein of this. All the, like This is a process that happens at every level based on your relationship to actual means of production. So if you made it, like make, having made it out of college and not was the difference between Warren and Bernie in the primary. So if you made it, your calculus is completely different. But if you didn't, That college suite of, uh, of like social cues, mores, uh, media, propaganda, you want to call it? Whatever you want to call it. Like, whatever the ball of, of culture that kind of keeps people uh, having faith in any even symbolic worth in the act of voting for a Democrat is going to shrink. And its influence on the levels of government is going to shrink. Now, the, how fast that's going to happen is up to a lot of things. One big one is how they actually do respond to this fucking pandemic, which I don't know. They could surprise me. I highly doubt it. But they could actually do a competent job, or at least better, noticeably better than the Republicans. Could happen, not holding breath. So that changes the whole fucking thing. That could, like, re... That could just... By ass backwards, like they accidentally like add up add, add a comma to the stimulus bill, like it literally just was a typo and nobody noticed it, and then boom, they're able to you know like uh, juice the the consumer sector and and like take the boot of debt off of a bunch of people's neck and allow them to participate in the market again, uh, and not be like fully extracted to uh, miserable little uh, 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 gig monkeys, and the, and Biden's the new FDR by accident. That would be the perfect end to his career. And then he dies with a full diaper. But no, not going to probably happen. The other is, who comes after Trump? The big thing is, like, Trump's specific non-college pitch is built into his celebrity. Not into any of his ideology. None of his ideology. Anybody who's... And that's why the talk about Hawley and Cotton and making it coherent making it policy-based, giving ribs and, and, and arm, armature to, to Trumpism is putting the ass, it's, it's the kind of mistake you make when you're in the bubble and you 
turn the fucking thing the wrong direction. Looking through the wide end of the telescope there, buddy. But who is in a position to replace that? Who can who can sparkle the way Trump did? I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. Dudrock 2024. Now there's a campaign slogan. No, I would not trust any movement led by Joe Rogan. I, do, I don't think he's a Nazi or any of that bullshit, but just the mind's a little too open. I think you need a little more structure there. You need a few more first principles that you can depend on when you're dealing with something that would be you know, as uh, fragile as a celebrity-led movement. Oh, I guess I'm talking about from the point of view of the Republicans. I don't think he would do that because I don't think he's committed enough to the project. I, don't, I think that politics to him, caring about politics risks getting owned. Like, I think a lot of the, the apolitical, like Rogan type specifically, one of the reasons that they, in their mind, they say, fuck politics, is because why would you risk getting owned over something that doesn't matter? And it doesn't have the visceral appeal to you as something like a sporting uh, fandom. And so you're going to always stay a little bit away from it. And you might endorse somebody in a primary or something, but you're not going to fucking pick a team color because what if you lose? And the thing about Tucker Carlson is he's got the celebrity. He's got the zim. He's got the zazzle. I think he could get the college-educated portion of the Republican Party, those people who went through the machine and decided to oppose it, and they're always there too. Remember, we're just talking about them being brought, about being having been having them added to by more uh, working uh, non-college people. But they're always there. They've always been there, and uh, they would love love that. But would it would it have the same appeal to those people who, although they're moving towards the Republicans, it's not like it's fixed in stone. A lot of it depends on who they're running against and what. The, the, what, you know, the happenstance of, you know, who's in charge when the bad thing happened, brands the Democrat. Like, it's still it's still there. Like, we don't know how, I just don't know if Cucker has the zazzle outside of that bubble to appeal in a general the way that he, Trump did. Don't know. Don't know. Still not convinced that he could run a economically populist enough uh, campaign for it to really matter at all. And if that's the case, well then, you're just talking a rerun of Trump, but with this fucking bow-tie dipshit instead of the greatest famous guy who's ever famous. I just, I think charisma is going to be a much bigger factor there in like creating some coherent Trump uh, descendant, some, some evolved Trump form, because like Trump is obviously... He accelerated a process, but, you know, we don't know yet if he was prefigurative or if he was, the, if the next step was going to have to come, like, up. Because 
None of these lines, including the line that goes down, goes straight down. They are all punctuated by changes because they're interrupt. All these processes are running against the the. Uh, they're, they're running on the corduroy road of uh, of randomness, right? Of the random distribution of events of of the butterfly effect, and so it's 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 never a smooth ride, you know. And the big thing that makes me say that is just who is who else is like Trump in the culture? I say John Taffer, but John Taffer is not that famous. Basic Cable. That's not a network show that was in the top 10 in the last generation of network television, which is now gone, by the way. Like that kind of the, the people being on TV, the way Trump was on TV, that doesn't exist anymore. Trump was on TV. And then you've got the fact that he was a businessman, so he could fake a sort of pseudo experience of politics. It's like, I mean, people say The Rock, but he is a soy boy at heart. I mean, we know which cho which side of the cultural divide he is on. He is a soy boy. He might have all the appearance of like a a, a a Republican type guy and say he's a Republican, but his he's got a soft core. He is humanities. No matter how much he wants to say it's football team STEM. He's, he's a theater kid. He's a theater kid. You seen him on Saturday Night Live? The motherfucker is a theater kid. So he is... I don't think he could run that campaign. Now, the real what-if is if Schwarzenegger could have run. That's a real what-if right there. Because there you have, like, pure charisma and star power minus, like, Trump's specific cynical uh, invocation of, like, crabbish uh, um, bigotry. Because, you know, Trump at the end of the day is just a, a disgusting fat load of shit uh, with $7 billion in debt to the Russian mafia. And there he has to fill that hole somehow, and, you know, that's how he got people, build the wall. I mean, Schwarzenegger, my God. He's Schwarzenegger. And he did, he did, Arnold did kill The Apprentice. But that was after Trump left, is the thing. That was too late. When I say Schwarzenegger, I mean like 08. Maybe 12. Once Trump shows up, and he gets that, uh, he picks up the stick, the George Wallace stick, and wraps it around his own like fame, fame and glamorous public image. Ooh, that was a powerful force. That was like King Arthur pulling the sword out of the stone. But it's all obviously academic because Schwarzenegger can never run for president. Thanks once again to our U.S. Constitution. It would be funny, though, if he just ran and won and got sworn in and they couldn't do anything about it. Because that is where the, that's what the Constitution is now, which I'm glad, but at the same time, the fact that people still, other than Republicans who should at all times be invoking the Constitution, because it is the, the, the document that most closely codifies their conception of you know, political economy and, and, uh, and the social order. 
Like, it is all there. It's all there, which is why it should have been destroyed in the Civil War. Should have been. It was like the fucking. You know what it was? It's the goddamn ring. It was the one ring. Like, for America to become uh, a coherent national identity, it, the Constitution was necessary because the 13 colonies were. None of them were in a position to impose force on the other. So they all felt. But it because. But as but could potentially be subdued by them combined against them. It was a Mexican standoff, or an American standoff, I guess. And the Constitution's structured the way it is for the specific purpose of preventing, at the base, democratic overtaking of uh, governmental structures. And then on top of that, uh, any like faction within the greater United States can coming together to overthrow uh, uh, the ruling class, the, the the Boston merchants and the uh, Southern landowners who made up the revolutionary generation of our founding fathers, and the Civil War proved that the pressure of you know northern uh, northern wage relationship upon this like quasi feudal remnant was, was of course still. Uh, capitalist. It was a key component of the global capitalist network. But there was a fundamental tension politically at its heart between wage relationships. And that could not be contained within the structure of the Constitution because those type of people weren't supposed to be involved. They weren't even supposed to be here, you know? They weren't really, like, here, you know? They weren't really supposed to be here. Like... You know, they aren't real at all. Like, that's that's where that boils down to. And... But the thing is, is that the, United, the North was only able to defeat the South because of the power that had been accrued over the last 80 years to the executive branch, to the federal government, uh, that was only allowed by the constitutional uh, compromise with the states. It was only while everybody's guns were down that they were able to accrue, without even knowing they were doing it, the capacity to defend uh, the state itself against a fraction within it. And then they put it down. And then it's like, okay, good, it's done. We don't need this thing anymore. Federalism is dead. We just killed it. We just burned it. We've burned Atlanta to the ground. Federalism is dead. We, we, inve we brought a state into the Union well, uh, the representatives of a huge fraction of our country were not there, ratified constitutional amendments, uh, opened half the fucking land in the Louisiana Purchase to settlement, free settlement. The Civil War should have been the end of the U.S. Constitution. It had served its political purpose. It had defeated Mordor. It had defeated Sauron, rather. It had defeated the Sauron of slavery. Now it was time to cast it into Mount Doom. And then you get on the precipice, and who's that? Who's that on the precipice? Gollum himself, uh, John Wilkes Booth. Andrew Johnson. Now, that's, of course, glib, as I've said a million times. I don't think that there's any reason to believe that Lincoln could have, by himself, having lived, changed things enough to redirect the flow of like racial solidarity and uh, you know the direct the the the, the re capital reformation of the South 
like away from uh, plantation agriculture to the yeoman model that uh, persisted in the North. Even though Lincoln, Lincoln's entire political ideology was premised on the idea of turning America into a yeoman republic as the Whigs envisioned it. But uh, we'll never know is the thing. We'll never know. One way or another, the fucking ring did not get into the fucking uh, volcano. And now it's sitting around, just corroding everything and turning us all into slathering creatures. And so that's a, like, I want to talk another thing about American exceptionalism, another big, like, obviously the number one element is free real estate, but built on top of that, first, caused by the same material reality shaping its politics. Our constitutional system, which had sort of a natural historical purpose, really, as as a as a uh, like a progressive instrument in the furthering of you know the consolidation of wage relationships into conflict with one another, then keeping it around just it's like you blew a fucking tire on the highway going 150 miles an hour. So I think any political movement worth his salt is going to have as an assumed, assumed, assumed basic premise the Constitution gots to go. Now, of course, that's not a thing you impose from outside. I just think it's a thing that an organic Marxist, not through ideology, but through lived practice, recognizing class is real, recognizing class conflict is, is the only meaningful uh, uh, the only meaningful pursuit of justice but the problem is, is one of the just as an ideological question how do you fight a civil war on behalf of a document that you then destroy and tear up you know I mean Obviously, the evolution, the war changed the war aims of the Union Army and the the American, the Northern publics generally, but it wasn't, you know, supernatural. It was it was it was a it was a process, and it was unevenly distributed. Certainly, but that that uh, that drive to preserve the Union. You know, America as an idea, that was a real motivating factor for people to join the army. Obviously, at a certain point, you join because there's $100 in it for you, or uh, there's a draft, but those early regiments that, you know, spilled blood, bull run and whatnot, that they had that as a motivation. And there had to have been more pressure placed on the Constitution for it to, uh, for it to come under the pressure necessary. And it never happened. Probably couldn't have. But man, it's past time to recognize the, the enemy for what it is. Oh, Esperanto. Esperanto is one of those really adorable 19th century grasps towards the notion of, you know, true universal human consciousness. But it rests adorably on an idealist pedestal of like pure liberalism. 
Because I think like the idea of creating a language for everybody in the world to speak is beautiful in a way. But the idea that it, by its nature of its existence, would naturally find itself over time to become a lingua franca, that is, that's what happens when you don't recognize material conditions as the generator of this shit. But one day there probably will be only one language on this planet. Before there are no humans, the last of them will probably speak amongst them one language. But who knows how long that'll take. I'll go out with a soy face here. Apparently I'm on the first page. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm on the first Google image page for Soyface. Let me check if that's still true. Yep, first row. I did the icky. I did it. I did the icky. I'm a sore man. I'm a sore man. I'm a soy man. I did not invent the soy face. Of course, that was the Nazis. Uh, who, of course, are the other side of the coin. These are the people who went through the college washing machine and came out opposed to it. Now, once again, not necessarily went to college, but experienced college in the form of culture generated by the college mindset. Your Pepe's. Your groipers. And they are their relationship to politics is as sterile and doomed as the relationship of the Democrats, broadly speaking. They will continue to be disillusioned by the party failing to do what it really wants them to do, because they have some cockeyed idea that they're representing some actual ideology and some actual like notion of the good, which is what they got from college, even though they don't know that. So they're constantly having to do the same pathetic uh, uh, bargaining game with their party. Some of them are moving in the other direction. There are a number of alt-right people who have become like uh, kind of Bernie Kratz, right? In the past, uh, in the past couple of years, if I'm not mistaken, that's the same process moving in the other direction. And then the question becomes: When they hit the, the zero barrier and breach, do they recognize that they are in a sterile loop? That their relationship with politics is illusory and fantastical, and that they need to give it a new foundation? Or 
they just keep moving on, and now they're going to be like the the most groipery uh, uh, leftist, and then move their way through somehow. You will continue to cycle through eternally if you can't give up your libidinal commitment to one party or another, one spectacle or another, one feast of domination over another. Yeah, the Proud Boys are the DSA of the right. It's the same college-graduated losers with a different cultural uh, sadism box and a different cultural grievance co collection uh, trying to uh, act out a, a online concept of their political identity that is so powerful that it is spilled out into the real world. They have to affirm it uh, in real life. But, of course, only in the most spectacular way possible because they're fully atomized. And if they're more violent than DSA, and you say that's not well, that's not a good comparison because the DSA is not violent. They don't do things that antifa isn't violent. It's like they are on the right. So of course they're more concentrated in their violence as politics because that's what right wing politics is. It's the remember the fascism you talk about aestheticization of politics instead of doing violence on behalf of a class project doing violence for its own sake so of course they're going to be more violent now of course the DSA is actually doesn't really have a right wing comparison because of how demobilized they are plot boys aren't a good really comparison because. But they're the closest thing there is, which just shows you how unorganized it is on the right and how atomized it is, because they don't even have the fake solidarity of, you know, uh, the grasping towards, uh, 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 you know, a, a public good that, once again, is no one's fault, and we're all, including myself, operating from it. It is the confusion of our libidinal self-interest with our understanding of a general, self in, a general interest, we're only grasping at it, we're only guessing because we're not coordinating action through experience and through class consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And that's all of us. And there's no blaming people. It's not a call, saying anyone is bad for doing it. Like I said, there's, and no one is worse than me or better than me because I am 100% implicated in every single thing I'm talking about. And I think people in uh, DSA, there's nothing that says they can't do great work within it and outside of it. But because it's going to be doing the work in the real world, that they're going to find what works, both inside and outside the organization. And doing anything to stay in the real world is worth doing, no matter how cringe it may be, and no matter how politically sterile it might seem. Because if it feels to you in the moment like it's worth your contribution, if you see things in the world that you and the people within that organization feel like you can do, then by God, keep doing it. If it feels good, as they say, do it. But when I mean good, I mean actually satisfying of a, you know, de, a, 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 a materialized political will to power. A materialized material will to power, as opposed to a fantasized one. And that could, that's in DSA, it's outside of DSA, it's wherever you are. But 
it's it, you have to drop the charade that you're finding anything other than uh, pleasure from this pantomime and the spectacle of like political combat as you understand it. All right, I gotta go, guys. Talk to you soon. Peace.